All right, everybody. This is volume three of today's podcast. It has been one hell of an eventful, technological-filled day. It is uh, January 9th, 2023 on the West Side Sports Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dakota Esri. Welcome into today's podcast. Thank you so much for everybody for tuning in today on today's pod. This is going to be a jam-packed episode today. If you haven't already, please do me a favor and subscribe and leave a rating if you enjoyed today's podcast and the overall content. Um, if you guys are trying to figure out more ways to do ratings or leave me some insight or some comments or stuff like that, if you are a Android user, if you're a Spotify person, please leave me a star rating one through five. Be honest. I don't care. I always want five stars. Just a little side note there, <laughs> a little asterisk. Um, but at the same time, if you're on Apple, please also leave written words, leave stars, leave all that stuff possible. Apple has more uh, features for leaving reviews on their podcast and Spotify does currently. But if you have anything you want me to say on that, uh, besides for those two platforms, you can find me on Twitter at PNW professor. You can find my Facebook sports group, uh, sports book, uh, Facebook group. If I can talk today, I am so tongue tied. This is the third time I'm trying to record this podcast today. Sports in the Northwest as a green insignia Mariners logo. Okay. So we have a ton to get into today. Um, I'm just going to jump straight into it. I'm not going to beat around the bush. Cardinals finally figured out that Cliff Kingsbury needed to go. He had to be cut from the fountain of youth. He needed to be removed from the future plans for this organization. He is a bum, a waste of a head coach. The Cardinals are in complete disarray right now. Um, J.J. Watt announces his retirement. Buda Baker is not happy with the organization. Kyler Murray tears his ACL. He's probably going to be out probably at least to the halfway mark uh, point of next year. I don't foresee him pulling an Adrian Peterson-like healing regimen program. Uh, Steve Kime, the general manager, has been relieved of his duties due to, quote, medical concerns. I have heard split reviews, mixed reviews on that, as well as mixed reports that it's more of, hey, this is just the right time for us to use your medical uh, reasonings and medical problems as the reasoning for your uh, release from the organization. This is a bad job to take. Probably one of the worst jobs. But I don't know which one's worse, honestly. Arizona or uh, Texans is not going to be pretty. They just have a lack of talent, even though they're going to have a top draft pick. So that's going to be pretty you know, appealing to a lot of possible head coaches. But Cliff Kingsbury, 28 37 and one in his four years in Arizona. He was bad. He ran collegiate schemes. He tried to run everything out of shotgun. There was no I formation. There was no single back. There was no like there's hardly any. There was a little, little bit of pistol on read options due to Kyler Murray's ability to run. But this was this was doomed to fail from the very, very get go from the very start. And it's you can't really, you know, can't blame anybody else but Cliff Kingsbury. I'm not trying to put all the blame on him. He's the head coach, so obviously he gets a lot of the mantle and share of the blame. But Arizona is in a bad spot right now. They have a lot of money locked up in Kyler Murray, so obviously they have to find a way to make it work with him. There's not going to be many teams that are going to take on that albatross of a contract. So that is what's happening in uh, Arizona. I report, so I originally did this podcast about three hours ago and just found out that I was having some technical difficulties on the listeners. end, so I'm just going to re-record for you guys, which is why I'm here now. Uh, offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans has been relieved of his duties. This is not a shocker. Tennessee's offense is putrid. It is God awful. It is embarrassing. It might as well be childish and backyard football, right? 
Uh, they have a lot of talent. Obviously, Derrick Henry. They drafted Malik Willis. Uh, Traylon Burks is uh, a right a wide receiver that didn't have a lot of run, but when he had an opportunities, he made a pretty good amount of of them. Uh, not bad overall, about 500 yards receiving on the year. But just this team is just decimated, man, top to bottom. Ryan Tannehill gotta go. Malik Willis cannot accurately throw a football right now. When you have Joshua Dobbs who came off a practice squad to start for you in a pivotal playoff-ish game. That's a bad look for the organization, and Mike Vrabel needs to get his crap in order before he gets kicked out the door as well. Not saying I'm not advocating for Vrabel to leave. I like how he coaches. I like his style. I like his moxie. I like the way the players, you know, really build around him. But you got to get talent in that organization, and offensively, ever since they lost A.J. Brown, it's been a hot mess. Okay. That's Arizona. Uh, New Orleans Saints this morning said that they are going to, quote, stick by Dennis Allen at head coach for this upcoming year. Uh, he, Dennis Allen, not bad, 7-10 on, on the season. Obviously not 500, not what they were anticipating or hoping for. But the Saints did win three out of the last four games going down the final stretch and the quarter of mark of the season. With a backup quarterback and Andy Dalton and Michael Thomas continuing to just deal with a plethora of injuries. If I'm Michael Thomas, just hang it up, bro. Please, just... Stop wasting the money of this organization. I get that you've been through a lot. I get you've had a ton of surgeries. I think he's had more surgeries than any wide receiver in football the last five years. I can almost guarantee that on the money. So I like Andy Dalton. I like um, Dennis Allen's not a bad coach. They have decent players. Alvin Kamara is, is a stud when he's right and when he's healthy and when he's ran the right way. But they got to get a quarterback. Um Maybe Sean Clifford out of Penn State might be an opportunity. Maybe Anthony Richardson, I believe the kid's name is, out of Florida. Just a couple of options off the top of my head. They're going to be lower down in the draft. Uh, maybe Will Levis, how far he drops. But he had a really bad year this year at BYU. Um, so I'll be keeping my eye on that as we get closer on through the offseason for the NFL. Lions upset Packers last night, 20-16 to in the house of Ayahuasca. Oh, I mean, sorry, uh, Lam Lam Lambeau Field. <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help myself. I had to throw a jab in there. Lions win eight of their last 10 games. Uh, absolutely incredible story. Uh, Dan Campbell was absolutely a stud. This guy just brought this team up from the laughing stock of the NFL and said, we're going to play football the right way. We're going to be mean. We're going to be physical. We're going to make everything difficult. You're going to have to work for everything. And I love that. That's what you know we've seen here in Seattle with Pete Carroll. Physical defense. Running the football. DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Are you kidding me? They're solid at running back. I like a uh, wide receiver. Obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown. Solid. They did trade... Um, TJ Hawkinson, but they got good draft stuff coming back out of that. You can easily, uh, not actually easily, because finding tight ends like that are not as easy. But in the day, in the, in the days that we live in, the current time in football, there's tight ends coming in into this draft in the various rounds. I think George Kittle was like a fifth or a fourth round pick. If I'm if I'm wrong, excuse me on that. Um, but there's a lot of teams in here that could do a lot of good things with depth wise. We'll get more into draft conversation when we get deeper into the off season. But I gotta get a lot of loves, Jared Goff. Jared Goff played some damn good football this year. I've talked a lot of crap about Jared Goff, especially when he was a Ram. Um, I heard the terms turbo set for about a thousand times. I thought my ears were going to fall off my head, but Jared Goff played damn good football. And I got to give respect where, where it's due and it's earned. I don't just talk crap to talk crap. I'm not a Skip Bayless. I'm not a Colin Cowherd. I'm not, you know, one of those mainstream guys who just wants clickbait. I say what I mean when I say it. I do my research and I make sure that I'm not just being a homer. I'm not being a, you know, a hometown kid or anything like that. So 
and also one small tidbit on the Lions before we transition to the next round around the world section here. Our topic on the section is that this was the first winning season for the Detroit Lions since 2017. This is an amazing season. Congrats. Light golf clap here. Light golf clap for the for, for, for the Lions. Hopefully that's not too loud for you guys. So okay. Um Texans fired head coach Lovey Smith. We all knew this was coming. He knew that this was coming. This is not a shocker to anybody whatsoever. What I can tell you is that uh Texans are in a bad spot right now. They don't have a lot of talent on this team. Um, Brandon Cooks obviously is going to get the hell out of there unless he just wants to keep t- taking money from Houston, which I wouldn't blame him. Um, I look at like Davis Mills. You look at what they have, Damian Pierce at running back. He's going to be there obviously next year. I don't think Davis Mills has any chance to stay there. Uh, Houston sitting there at number two now in, in the draft is a very viable chance they draft Bryce Young. But I just, I mean, obviously the an NFL team starts at quarterback. We all know that, right? You, I, mean, I talked about Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow, Tom Brady. The list goes on, right? I could list every top 10 quarterback in football. It obviously starts with the quarterback position. But the Houston Texans have so many needs, so many holes, so many things to address. They need to spend. They need to find a way to get a culture, get a coach where people, where players want to go there. And it can be a viable, realistic competing team on a yearly basis because the last time the Texans were any good Matt Schaub was at quarterback and Andre Johnson was at wide receiver that's a long time ago like that was in my teenage years and I'm 30 years old so we're going on a decade about a bad time to be a Texans fan Chicago Bears have ended up with the number one draft pick in this year's NFL draft first time since 1947 that the, that the Bears will have the number one overall draft pick uh, I will go over a brief mock draft for the for the Seahawks here at the end of today's podcast. But the the uh, the mock for them I did see today was Will Anderson, edge rusher out of Alabama. Broncos have inter- are interviewing uh, Jim Harbaugh for their head coaching opening vacancy position. This is an absolutely beautiful thing for the for the Broncos. I think Jim Harbaugh is the best fit. I think Russell Wilson needs a coach that looks at him right in the face and says, you're going to run the damn football. Shut your mouth. Get your office, your closet. Get the, I want the keys back from Ciara. I want Ciara. I want all of it. You are a quarterback. You are a player on this team. And you're not going to get many coaches besides for, for Jim Harbaugh. They're going to come in there and say, uh, hey, Russell, yeah, this ain't going to work anymore. After you paid Russell 200 and something million dollars and all this crap, right? He got paid the whole bag. So you have to figure out a way to make this work. But Jim Harbaugh... Um, Sean, or not Sean, excuse me, Sean Payton. There's, um, oh man, defense coordinator for, um, the San Francisco 49ers. I can't get his name off the top of my head, but, uh, or, uh, I'm not Brian Flores. I'm just going to keep going because I can't remember. I'm completely jet jet brained or jet like brain right now. But there's a lot of uh, good coaches, good viable coaches, good viable options for the Broncos, and they're not going to leave a stone unturned. So I will keep my ears down on this one because this has got big, big storylines written all over, especially if he leaves Michigan and, and Jim Harbaugh. You're going to piss some real people off up there in, 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 in the Midwest, bud. So Packers, you have a decision. What are you going to do with Aaron Rodgers? You going to keep Aaron? You're going to ship him? You're going to trade him? You're going to cut him? What are you going to do? $50 million is due to him in the next season. That's a fact. You, can, you, you, can't, you can't hide around the bush on that one. Aaron Rodgers is due some ched. He's, he's due a book. He's due a crap load of money. I believe it's like the second highest cap hit in all of football for a player position. I don't know. I can't remember the number one was. I apologize. But he said, and Aaron Rodgers in his postgame uh, conference last night after the loss to the Detroit Lions, <laughs> that... Uh, He's uncommitted to next season, and he should be. He should walk away, retire, go away, walk away, just disappear. 
pull Brett Favre. They have Jordan Love. Jordan Love deserves to have an opportunity. Drafted in the first round. He deserves to have a shot to show whether or not he can play in this league. And Aaron Rodgers, all you're doing is literally wasting this kid's career. If I'm Jordan Love, if Aaron Rodgers stays, I'm getting the hell out. Request a trade. Ask for it. What are they going to tell you? No. Why, why would they? They're not going to play you. So get out of there. Go to an organization. Hell, go to Tennessee like we just got talking about. Tennessee needs quarterback. Indianapolis needs quarterback. Houston, Texas need, need, need quarterbacks. Jordan Love can throw the ball. We saw him play versus Kansas City. He played pretty good. He wasn't bad in his opportunities. But it's just not fair to him. It's not fair to the fans. Not fair to the team. And they're going to have a lot of hard conversations as this upcoming offseason. So I, uh, I pity upon Pat Packers fans. Have fun with that. Okay, so that's the Around the World section for today. I'm going to hop into MLB. We've got some signings and then a DFA and then a little bit of an interesting eye-raising report. Uh, Phillies acquired Gregory Soto over the weekend from the Detroit Tigers. Almost at the Lions. <laughs> uh, for a hand- handful of prospects, Gregory Soto is overrated. He's a left-handed pitcher, hard, hard thrower. Control is a problem. He shouldn't have even been inside the All-Star game last year. Should have went to Tariq Skubal or uh, Joe uh, Joe Jimenez. Both were were better than him. So this is just a move. Philly's trying to bull- bolster the the bullpen. They lost David Robertson in the offseason and stuff like that. So they're trying to get some more veteran arms. But they paid a pretty good amount. I know there was like Matt Veerling and a couple other players that are uh, fringe-esque roster makes. So. I get why the Phillies did it, and I get why the Tigers wanted the you know the prospects and players that they did, but nothing really to raise or raise an eye at. We'll see if uh, he can keep healthy with him and Jose Alvarado for the lefties for the Phillies. The Mets signed utility man Tim LaCastro to a one-year minor league deal. Uh, lots of speed, quality, uh, glove, overall good defense. Bat skills are not great, probably 225, 230 batting average, something along those lines. Giant signed relief pitcher Luke Jackson, who was previously in Atlanta Brave, has had two Tommy John surgeries. Two years, $11.5 million. That's a pretty good deal for him. Padres signed Adam Engel, who is a uh, outfield backup, essentially. He can play pretty good defense in center field. Corner outfield spots, probably a little bit easier. But uh, good. It, this guy is kind of weird, man. Honestly, you guys. like He's a pretty good player. He could probably hit you. Anywhere from 235 to 250. That's a pretty big gap, right? 15 points is pretty big. But he's a lefty hitter. He's gonna he's got a minimal or decent contact, bat bat the ball skills. But this is gonna be another depth uh, piece for the Padres. Dodgers DFA Trevor Bauer. No shocker here. No, he's not coming to Seattle. No, I don't want him inside Seattle. And if you do, I want. Uh, got a lot of questions for people who want that. Trevor Bauer is a. Uh, ass of a player i'm not going to put it any kinder than that or any harder than that this guy is full of his own stuff if you catch my drift he thinks nothing his own stuff doesn't stink uh he is a locker room cancer he causes problems wherever he goes yes he's incredibly talented yes he's going to go to somewhere yes he's probably going to perform pretty well because he's pissed off of being out of the league for the last year year and a half but no seattle is not an option it shouldn't be an option i don't care if people say trevor bauer's a better option at five than marco gonzalez or chris flexen uh, Stuff-wise, yes. Uh, Teammate-wise, hell no. Hell no. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, no. No, 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 no. That's the end of conversation. I'm not even going any further into that. Joe Lacob, who is the owner of the Golden State Warriors, has said that he is openly eyeing uh, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, obviously, this our organization, I went into a thorough deep dive on how I feel about this team and this overall organization administration, how it's ran. 
I'm not going to get in, in, into that deep dive. But Joe Lacob is a, is a very, very solid uh, owner. He has no problem spending money whatsoever. The Golden State Warriors have paid the, sec- or the most money in luxury tax in all of the NBA the last two seasons. I believe it was like $147 million last year. I think it's like 163 this year, something along, along those lines. He's paying a crap ton of money. He doesn't care. This team is going to be... Very interesting. If he can get his hands on this organization, I would be a little worried about what they can do and what his plans are, especially with Shohei Otani. I want Otani to be gone before Lakeup can get his hands on the Angels so we don't have to worry about him being with the Angels any further. Okay, Mariners finally made a deal. Signed a veteran bat, A.J. Pollock, formerly of the Chicago White Sox and the L.A. Dodgers. One-year deal, $7 million in the overall length and money-wise. Looking like he'll slide in at left field versus left-handed pitching. He'll platoon with Jared Kelnick. Um, versus left-handed pitching last year, he hit 286 average, 316 on-base percentage, 619 slugging, 936 OPS. OPS means on-base percentage plus slugging for those who do not know. He, uh, this guy can rake. He can hit lefties really well. He's like known around MLB for hitting lefties. He's a lefty specialist. Uh, a couple years ago, he was just a flat out raker on both sides, right-handed and left-handed pitching. But between him and Kelnick, it's going to really provide a lot of, uh, a lot of relief for, for Jared Kelnick not to have to hit lefty pitching or very, or hardly ever. If Jared Kelnick turns into Jock Peterson, I'm cool with it. But at, th- at this point, we have to see Jared Kelnick actually perform at the major league level or you need to trade him somehow for a piece. If it's a Max Kepler, it's a Brian Reynolds. So overall, I mean, the Mariners are going to be in pretty good graces. This is what we need to look for, especially with the upcoming... Uh, sorry, we're having just technical stuff has been such a pain in the butt today. So it's been a very long time since the Mariners did anything. Teos Hernandez, Colt Wong, all that good stuff. So it's going to be a telling time for the Mariners. I think Pollock is going to be a good signing. I think he has plenty of depth. I think he has plenty of upside, all that stuff. But it's really a play and see how he performs at T-Mobile. I think he'll translate well, but you just really, really never know on how this stuff works. We thought Jesse Winker was going to be the second coming of like God in our city, and he ended up becoming uh, something else entirely. So we'll leave that there. Um, we traded right-handed or for right-handed pitcher Justin Topa Tapa from the Milwaukee Brewers for right-handed pitcher Joseph Hernandez. This is essentially a lottery ticket for a lottery ticket. When I say that, means that. Justin Topa has had two Tommy Johns. He has a three-quarter arm slot. Those extremely hard sinker, 98 miles an hour. He's got a big sweeping slider. His pitching metrics numbers are off the chart. It's huge. This guy has incredible amount amount of talent. I like the overall move here. If he's gonna if he's gonna help you in this upcoming season, it's going to be tremendous. It's going to be huge upside. So I'm a little bummed we had to give Joseph Hernandez, who was at Class A Modesto this year for the Nuts. He was the best starting pitcher in that rotation, which wasn't saying much. But he's four years away from Major League service time or really able to contribute towards helping the roster. So I get why Jerry picked him. But uh, this is just a really interesting trade. We'll see what happens becomes of this. But Justin Topa could be one of those names like Eric's... uh, Eric Swanson, Paul Seawald, Matt Festa, Penn Murphy, Casey Sadler, where they take these guys and turn them into absolute studs. I'm going to keep my eyes on that and see where it becomes out of that for us in the future. But the move is a lot of uh, a lot of intriguing stuff here with, the, with this deal. It's a small move, but Topa's got the stuff to be a complete wipeout pitcher. And when you have that kind of, when you have that stuff and then you can bring in Andres Munoz, um, 
Isaiah Campbell, who is a minor league pitcher, I think is going to have a huge impact for our team this year. We have a lot of pitchers who are really deep inside the bullpen. And with Casey Sadler coming back, yeah, baby, Casey Sadler. I'm pumped up about this. It's going to be a fun year. Uh, Jerry said with Brock and Salk, Taylor Trammell has putting in a ton of work in the cage. Um, swing path has changed a little bit for Taylor, but not a tremendous amount. So I don't really know what to really read into this, to be honest with you guys. But it's Taylor Trammell is in the point where he's got to perform or, or he's got to go. So last offseason, Brock and Salk asked Jerry, who's the prospect should we be watching to keep an eye on throughout spring training? He said, Matt Brash. This season, Bryce Miller. For those of you who know who Bryce Miller is, he's a starting pitcher, right-handed pitcher. Arguably the best pitching prospect in the organization. Better than Emerson Hancock. Better than Taylor Dollard. Better than Brian Wu. Uh, Juan Pinto. All that stuff. Fastball sits regularly 97, 98 miles an hour. Can get up to 100 miles an hour at times. Jerry said in his last session in his throwing, he was sitting at 100 mile an hour flat on consistency or on a consistent basis, excuse me. But the slider is well above average. Great spin rate. Uh, four four pitch mix, tall, lengthy guy, lots of muscle build, and has a very smooth and snappy um, wind up and follow through towards home plate. So I like the comp a lot. He can be really, really valuable. I think he'll get a lot of work in spring training, both the starting and uh, uh, out of the bullpen, aka Matt Brash. Jared Kellner continues to work on his consistency at the plate, working out in Los Angeles with a handful of the top elite batters in MLB. I've heard reports recently he was working out guys such as Hunter Renfro, uh, such as um, oh, so I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to remember a name. I apologize. This has been such a long day with recording for you guys. So there's been a huge number of names that he's been working out with in the offseason. I love the dedication that he's he's at right now, and he seems like he's in a really good place mentally, which we would like to see. And uh, that's going to go uh, do it for today's Mariners segment. We're going to transition right into Seahawks, and then we're going to go out for today. After the overtime win versus the Rams and Detroit Lions beating the Packers, the Seattle Seahawks will go down to Santa Clara, California for the rematch versus the San Francisco 49ers. Third meeting this season between the Niners and Seahawks. This uh, aims up to be a smash-mouth football game. And uh, there's just so much. Brock Purdy, George Kittle, the defense. Uh, Playing a team three times a year is so hard to win all three times. Obviously, the Niners are more equipped. They have a better defense. They have better players than us. But I think we have a pretty decent chance. But it all really comes down to, can we get Ryan Neal back? Can we get this team as healthy as possible? Can Geno bounce back after his struggles on Sunday? There's a lot to really get into. And uh, draft. The draft was a big conversation on Sunday as well. After the Sunday's games were over, Seattle ended up coming with the number five and 20 overall picks in the 2023 NFL Draft. Latest Bleacher Report uh, mock draft has the Seahawks drafting Clemson edge rusher Miles Murphy and defensive lineman Siaki Ika out of Baylor. I do not know much about, about these guys. When we get deeper into the offseason, I will be doing draft profiles, comps, and all that stuff for you guys once we get there. Uh, pass rush was really big in Sunday's game. Uh, made Baker really uncomfortable for, mo- for most of the game. Was kind of off-timing with most of his throws. Didn't look great. Obviously, on the pick for uh, two Quandre digs, stuff like that. So uh, It's just been a really pleasant uh, pleasant game to see linebackers stepping in, playing well. Cody Barton stepping in, filling for Jordan Brooks was big. Uh, he provided a good amount of speed and communication throughout the game. Uh, like I touched on, Geno just kind of struggled, forcing the ball to DK Metcalf a handful of times to turn into two picks for Jalen Ramsey. Top pro football focus grades for on defense for the regular season for your Seattle Seahawks. I'm just going to go uh, just list them down. This is one through five 
Uh, Ryan Neal, 85.6. Quandre, 73.4. Shelby Harris, 73.2. Uchenna, 72.6. And Tariq Wollin, 71.6. For those who are a little bit, uh, you know, wondering why Tariq Wollin is so far down, uh, rookie year, still has some stuff to figure out. Did allow some some yards, some overall touchdowns. Yes, he was fantastic. Yes, he he's a pretty much a shutdown, lockdown corner. But he's got a lot to learn, especially as a rookie, even though he had a fantastic season. And a fun fact for you guys, and then we're going to hop out for today. Geno Smith finishes the regular season fourth in the overall NFL in passing touchdowns with 30. And first with those among the NFL quarterbacks with the 30 touchdowns. Congrats to Geno Smith. Thank you for being a true leader of men. Thank you for guiding and leading this team to the promised land, to the playoffs, when everyone thought we were going to suck this year, uh, myself included. We were all wrong, and it's very sometimes it's a pleasant reminder that we can be wrong on these things, and sometimes it ends up working in, in our favor. And with that being said, everybody, that is going to be today's podcast. My apologies. I hope this stuff or this podcast turns out well. This is my third time recording this today. I've been having technical difficulties all damn day, so... I hope it turns out well. I will be uh, doing a record or trying to get a uh, overview of what happens throughout the course of the week. We'll be probably looking at a podcast on uh, maybe tomorrow, maybe Thursday. We'll see what happens with that and how scheduling goes along with that along the way. But thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. I appreciate you guys taking the time out of your busy day, and I'll catch you guys next time.